Well, good evening, church. As we continue to slow down and reflect on the death of Jesus, to allow the reality of what he's done for us to sink in again, or maybe for some here tonight for the first time, I just I want to encourage us, this is good for us. How many times throughout the year do we slow down and, and really stop and celebrate something special in our lives, whether it's a, an anniversary or a birthday or something that happened to us that we uh, really is maybe just as our family want to celebrate, um, maybe an adoption or, or what have you. This is something to celebrate. And we do it all the time and we do it every Sunday. We gather and we sing songs about his death. But here on Good Friday, here on Easter weekend, it's good for us to come together, slow down, and reflect on his death. Jesus was falsely accused. Jesus was the victim of injustice. He was mocked, and he was treated less than human. Why did he willingly give up his life? What does an archaic method of execution and all the drama surrounding it have to do with Jesus' rescue plan? I'm going to read from Luke 23 tonight, beginning in verse 26. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. 
And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Jesus was led away with two other criminals. He was brought to a place called the Skull. In Aramaic, it's Golgotha. In Latin, it's Calvary. Verse 33, it said, There they crucified him. Simple, straightforward. Luke assumes that the reader of this gospel account understands the details. Crucifixion was a common punishment of of the day the cruelest and most barbaric. It was used to inflict the greatest amount of pain and suffering on its victim. It was all about humiliation and shame and control. Rome used it to control people. And there he was, Jesus hung between two criminals, naked and on public display, beaten, barely recognizable, He experienced excruciating agony. Pain pulsated through his body. Muscles turned into knots as he he tried to pull himself up to breathe. Many victims would go mad. They would scream out at the top of their lungs. They would call curses down on their executioners or on their spectators. And some would try to urinate on the spectators or spit on them as a final expression of opposition. But what does Jesus say? Verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A dramatic display of love and forgiveness towards his enemies. In the darkest hour of his life, Jesus called on the Father not to deliver him out of the pain and agony, not to strike down his enemies, but to what? To forgive them. Let's not move on too quickly from this scene. The religious leaders were there. They mocked him. He saved others. Let him save himself if... He is the Christ, the anointed of God, the chosen one. The soldiers joined them. Oh, if you're the king of the Jews, oh, save yourself. The inscription, the sign above him joined them in their mockery, the king of the Jews. One of the criminals, aren't you the Christ? Aren't you the chosen of God? Aren't you the anointed king? Save yourself and us. Save Rescue. Deliver. Oh, the irony. Do do you feel it? The irony of this scene, of this event, of what they're saying. If Jesus had come down from the cross, 
If Jesus had saved himself that day, he would not have accomplished a way for salvation for those who were mocking him that day or a way of salvation for you and I this day. No, he stayed up on the cross. Verses 40 through 42, the other criminal says, we're we're receiving what we deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. With what little breath Jesus had left in the midst of agony, excruciating pain, he comforts a criminal with a powerful promise. Verse 43, he's essentially saying this, look, I hear you, I've heard you, I welcome you. You will be with me in paradise. That word paradise, it's, it's garden. You'll be with me in the garden. You'll be with me in paradise. Restored relationship with God, where things began, where man was walking with God in the garden before the fall, before the events of the rebellion and believing the lie that's been whispered into the, the heart and the ears of, of, of all of us, that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't have his best interests, our best interests at heart, that we'd be better off living out from under his authority. Before that lie was whispered and believed, Jesus is saying in that moment, you will be with me in paradise. Between noon and 3 p.m., darkness was over the land. A literal darkness, but also a symbolic one. Supernatural darkness. It was heavy. Symbol of evil, symbol of judgment. This was man's darkest hour. Heaven and earth shaken and shaking. The sky was dark like a bruise as its maker received upon himself the punishment, the judgment for our sin. He became a curse. Paul would write to the Galatians this way in Galatians chapter 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, O cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree or cross. He became a curse for us. And the curtain, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. See, after Jesus gave up his, his, his life, his, his last breath, he breathed his last breath, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now the temple represents the place where heaven and earth intersect. It's a place of healing. It's a place of forgiveness. It's a place of renewal. It's a place of God's presence, his special presence. It's a place where heaven and earth intersect. And the curtain separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And when that curtain was torn in two, Jesus opened the way. Symbolically, this is showing us that Jesus, through his death, opened the way into God the Father's presence. Access given relationship restored, sin forgiven. It's powerful.
and all this just before he died. Then Jesus called out in a loud voice. Then Jesus cried out an expression of deep trust in the Father. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As if to say, mission accomplished. Because it was. It was. Jesus did for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. We could not pay the penalty for our sin. We could not overcome the power of sin, which is death. But Jesus did both. He did both. This is the victory he won for us. For 2,000 years now, Jesus' followers have now, in light of this, been unable to do anything but boast in, in the cross of Jesus. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, on this Good Friday, as we have gathered tonight to reflect on what Jesus did for us, we want to we be sobered by these truths, right? We want to let these truths not just quickly pass by. We don't want to be callous or just indifferent or so casual with them that it's, it's nothing. It almost means like nothing to us. And so it's good for us to slow down and reflect on what the God of all has done for you and I. It's mind-bending. It should also put in us such a, an affection and a deep desire to worship and honor Jesus. We learn so much about our God as Jesus hangs on the cross, so much about his compassion and love, so much in, in his, his final words, even towards that criminal, that he would with his last breath bring affirmation, bring encouragement to this man. You'll be with me in paradise. It's beautiful. He did that for us. I don't know if this is something that you've heard all your life or if this is something that you're just hearing tonight. Regardless, I pray that it moves you. You say, well, how, Darren? How should this move me? It should move all of us to worship. It should move all of us to a place of surrender. All of us to a place of saying, Jesus, (laughs) thank you. All of us to a place of being humbled, stand in awe of what he's accomplished for us. And that should be our posture tonight. We're going to sing one more song as we wrap our, up the evening together. Church, what a joy it's been to be able to gather like this here at this Good Friday. We get to gather, though, in two days, and we get to celebrate the resurrection. And I, I want us to think, this is Good Friday. Put yourself now, here, tonight, in the position of the disciples and of those who loved Jesus dearly and walked with him. 
put yourself in, in their position. The confusion, the questions. And then try to walk with them until Sunday morning early. When we gather this Sunday, let me encourage you, come early. Sit close. No one likes to sit in these chairs except my family. We have parking at St. Pete High School uh, for, sun, for this Sunday. Park there. <laughs> um, what a privilege it's been to gather. Let's, let's pray and then we'll sing the song and then we'll be, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for providing a way for us to be reconciled to you through Jesus. And even as Jesus hung on the cross, we learn so much about your character, your heart for us through his words. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And you will be with me in paradise. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the hope that you give us. Thank you for restoring us to yourself. Thank you for destroying that lie that we once embraced, that we'd be better off out from under your authority. No, we look to you with eyes of faith tonight and we say thank you for Jesus. May our boast only be in him. And may our lives be marked by an ever-increasing and growing humility and awe for what he's accomplished for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.